Alright everybody, welcome to Talking Taker, episode number 35 of our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. We appreciate you joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. My name is Alex Dorio. I am one of your co-hosts here, and I am joined as always by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, my fellow creature of the night, Travis White, and we are... Fresh off of WrestleMania 13 on the podcast, and we are fresh off of WrestleMania 34 in real life. And so, since it'll be a pretty long little while before we get to covering that WrestleMania 34 match in the series of our podcast, we thought we'd throw in just a few of our quick and dirty thoughts about that quick and dirty little match right here. So, Travis and I recorded with him coming in on the phone, so it's definitely not going to be quite the same sound quality as you're used to, but we will throw it over there to our WrestleMania 34 thoughts right now. And you can get right to our coverage of In Your House, Revenge of the Taker by skipping ahead about 12 and a half minutes or so, if you want to jump right ahead over to that. Otherwise, here's our take on WrestleMania 34. Alright guys, Alex and Travis here uh, with a little... Uh, quick recap of wrestlemania 34 we wanted to record something since it'll it'll be a couple years before we cover this in depth uh, on an episode of talking taker but you know since it just happened and since we you know we started this podcast thinking the undertaker was retired and we'd be going through his entire career in honor of his retirement but of course with wrestling you never say never and the undertaker has come back one year after laying his gear down at WrestleMania 33 to have one more match question mark uh, at WrestleMania 34 against John Cena after weeks and weeks of mysterious buildup and the match not even being announced it did happen at WrestleMania so uh, I just got back from a trip to New Orleans which I can talk about here in just a minute I've got my buddy Travis my co-host our co-host Travis on the phone uh, recording him uh, on the phone, so it's going to sound not as good as the rest of this episode. Uh, but he's in the car driving. We just thought we'd record something real quick to insert into here. So, Travis, let's hear from you, from somebody who's watching it on the WWE Network. Man, what did you think of the whole presentation all night uh, of John Cena in the crowd? What did you think of the, the fake-out with Elias, the match announcement, and the quick and dirty match itself man what were your overall opinions on the undertaker versus john cena well man i thought the show as a whole was, was good the whole thing with john cena being in the crowd i thought was fun it was it, i was nervous they weren't going to do that even though he said he was going to do it you know sometimes they fence you know chickens out of stuff but or tease and stuff and never pays it off so i'm glad they actually went with him in the crowd and um i didn't like that it kind of interrupted the oscar um charlotte like celebration afterward but uh, the fake out with Elias was fantastic because you heard the crowd pop when the lights went out and you were there and you could tell us your experience in a second. But um, that was a really cool fake out with having Elias come back up and uh, and then um, basically, you know, get, get me down and the real lights go out. It's really the Undertaker. And, you know, people online and the internet wrestling community were speculating it's going to be, um, you know, Biker Taker and Kid Rock's going to come out and sing, you know, uh, the American BA song and he's ride down on a motorcycle and all, yada yada. And everyone was, making it out to be something that it was and it didn't have to be. I mean, he still, um, he came out the dead man. I thought it was cool, but um, I remember telling you even last week before you guys went, I said, you know, even if he comes out as the biker taker or regular one, I want him to get in that ring 
and I want him to beat the crap out of John Cena from a storyline perspective. I love Cena in real life, but I want him to beat him up and just squash him, basically. And um, that's basically what we got, man. <laughs> basically what we got. We got a, a squash match. Um, went down with one one tombstone, right? And he didn't, no yeah. ball finishes, just a choke slam and tombstone. Yeah. So I thought it was perfect. Like, you know, you've been, you've been talking smack about me for the last month. Uh, here I am, big boy. It's the play, and I'm going to put you in your place. I'm going to take her to get off me. That <laughs> <I> was great. <laughs> uh, how did uh, how did the crowd sound to you watching it on TV? Did they sound? The, how was the pop and everything like that? Oh, I mean, once so that the, again the Elias pop was big when they thought it was taken in the fake out. That, it was perfect, man. And then once it was really the Undertaker and it was the, the, the gong went off and you heard you know, heard that and you realized it was actually him. I mean, that crowd on TV it came off like um, you know, they were they were there for that. You know, even though it was announced. They were there for that match, you know. The idea of, of the Undertaker at WrestleMania, as we've been chronicling in our podcast here, is you know he's he's synonymous with this show, um, with with the show of shows here, WrestleMania, and uh, whether he has two losses or not, he this is still his show. And um, seeing him at WrestleMania is a special event, no matter what he does there. And to actually have him come out, I think people realize this is real. It's real now, and they just came unglued, man. So how was it like being there live for that? It was pretty. Pretty pretty cool, man. Uh, you know, I um, I think the vibe in the Superdome to me, from from what I could tell, uh, the people were there for a couple things. They were very much there to see Ronda Rousey. Uh, she got the loudest reactions, and the fans, uh, from what I can tell, you know, it's always I guess you're kind of uh, biased by your section and by what you're closest to since it's so big. But it really seemed like. She got the loudest reactions of the night, uh, followed by Daniel Bryan. Uh, people loved Daniel Bryan and loved getting to see him come back. Rusev Day was over like crazy. Uh, they were chanting, uh, Rusev Day was echoing through the Superdome before the show started, out on the streets. It was everywhere. Uh, and then I'd say close, either tied with that or, or right underneath it was Undertaker. Uh, and Undertaker was tremendously over people were so excited uh to, when the lights went out the elias fake out was great because i had completely forgotten at that point that elias was not on the card uh even though you know you know he's going to be involved somehow and doing something so that was a perfect way i thought to use him and fit him in there and give him a spot on the card and then to have finally uh after one last fake out to have the undertaker appear have his gear appear mysteriously in the ring, and then him come down the aisle. The entrance was just incredible. You know, if you've never been live for an Undertaker entrance, uh, which I know you and I have been there for a few of them, but if you've never been there for, it's just it's indescribable. The atmosphere, uh, you can feel the heat from the flames rising up to the top of the arena. Uh, the sound, the aura, all of it was incredible, and you know I. I haven't gone back and been able to watch it yet. Uh, we drove home all day yesterday. So he looked great in person. He looked like he was in the best shape he's been in in a few years. Uh, you, he did the rope walk. Uh, he was moving fast. And, you know, obviously it was only three or four minutes. So he couldn't get gassed out or anything like that. But he looked great from my perspective. Uh, how did he look to you watching on TV as far as his physical status? Yeah, man. I mean, if he's going to do this, like this, he can do this for many, many, many years to come, and he looks great. Uh, he collected 
paycheck once a year at Red Mania would be awesome for him. But yeah. uh, he looked awesome. Yeah, he looked in good physical condition. I mean, like he did the rope. He was so taker. He's very asked for big men, even in his age now. Um, but again, he didn't, you know, didn't have time to, to blow up out there or anything, and he did his thing. And but he, he looks really good. I thought, you know, physically, his hair extensions look great too. <laughs> <laughs> A little long on the hair extensions there, but you know, it's it's all it's all good. But uh, yeah, man, the, just seeing him again. Again, we started this podcast thinking he was done last year, and uh, I mean, I remember you were making a spreadsheet of all his matches that you're going through, and uh, now I got to add one more box on there for us to cover the podcast. So, yep. Um, we we'll to add one more episode, but that's fine. Yeah, and we'll break this match down. I guess two years from now, uh, in, in depth, get there on episode whatever that's going to be, 181 or something. So, um, but anyway, yeah, he looked great, man, and uh, really happy to see him. Happy you got to be there. Dad, I couldn't be there myself with you, but I was watching. I was up till three in the morning uh, watching on because uh, I was at work and uh, it was great to see. I'm glad you got to be there. Our talking to your correspondent on the ground in ex- in uh, section. Uh, well, tell the fans what section you're in. I was in section six one nine. Booyaka! Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, real quick, where do you think the Undertaker goes from here? Uh, was that just one final appearance? Was this the start of something new? You said he looks like he's in good enough shape to keep doing that sort of match forever. Uh, what happens next? Uh, I think um, February 2019, we'll hear from him again, honestly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we're going to do much more, uh, which is fun. Well, is he going to be at the Greatest Royal Rumble thing in a few weeks? I don't know. Yeah, he I believe be. he's at least supposed to appear. Yeah. I don't know right. if he's confirmed to compete, but I believe he's making an appearance there. Well, that would be the greatest card since WrestleMania, according to Jonathan Coachman, as he said on Raw the other night. Oh, no so, doubt about it. Anyway, <laughs> anyway um, yeah, I mean, he could do appearance by that, but I, I see him continuing his WrestleMania appearance for, if he's like this, for years to come, man, he looked great. His, you know, he had that hip surgery, and he didn't look like he was uneasy on his feet or anything. He looked great, so... Really well, good. Well, really my, good. my brother-in-law, Buck, who I attended the show with, uh, you can see him on uh, my Instagram feed uh, on the Instagram story. It's saved on there on the Talking Taker Instagram feed if you want to see all the videos uh, we took uh, of the trip to New Orleans over there. And uh, you can even see a picture of Buff Bagwell, who we saw out on the streets, uh, Bourbon Street, oh. after WrestleMania. Buff Daddy. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, we were talking, and you know, I feel like this match, after watching it, I feel like we're building towards one more rematch. WrestleMania 35, Taker versus Cena again. Possibly career versus career, retirement match. Obviously, it's just fantasy booking. This is just speculation uh, right after WrestleMania. It felt like there's got to be something more to that. For The Undertaker to just squash John Cena that quickly... Um, and I don't know if you could tell, just John Cena just ran out of the ring as soon as it was out. He rolled out and just ran up the ramp to the back. He got out of there real, yeah, yeah, didn't That's stick great. around. As soon as he got pinned, he rolled out and got out of there. Um, it feels like maybe uh, this could be the start of something more. You know, uh, obviously, there are people, some people complaining online. Um, some people saying Undertaker ruined his retirement last year by coming back and doing this match. And, you know, I think that's a fair criticism. And, I, I, I don't disagree with people thinking that. Obviously, we said beforehand we would prefer for a WrestleMania 33. That was a pretty perfect ending. But, you know, The yeah. Undertaker, he's earned the right to do what he wants. And, and if he sure. felt like 
his match with Roman Reigns wasn't a satisfying ending to his career. He wanted to get back in better shape and come back and do something else, maybe even a multi-match program with John Cena. If he wants to do that, then I'm okay with him coming back and ending things on his terms because I don't think he's going to do anything that he doesn't want to do. I don't think he's going to be forced to come back and do more matches if he doesn't want to. I think Vince McMahon would respect him enough to uh, honor his wishes of retirement, just like he's done with Shawn Michaels, uh, and just like he's done with Steve Austin. Steve Austin and all that. You know, If Undertaker did not want to come back and do this, I don't think he would have. So I respect the fact that Undertaker wants to keep going. He wasn't satisfied with WrestleMania 33, perhaps, and wanted to come back and end it on a different note. And I'm okay with that. And we're going to cover it, and we're going to watch it as fans. Uh, if you didn't think that this was a great way to go out, if you think he ruined things, I, I understand that as well. I understand that perspective. But uh, I also uh, just put that aside for the moment, enjoyed the moment of seeing him there again and seeing him. I mean, he squashed John Cena kind of like he squashed Jimmy Snuka 21 years ago. Yeah. So it was uh, really <laughs> cool true. to see that. And we're going we're gonna to watch it and let it play out and see where it goes. Absolutely. I agree with that wholeheartedly. If it is at least something bigger, that's fine. If not, it's fine too. You know, it was good. Yeah. So it was good. always good to see old Taker uh, in the ring. So. Well, that's the story of Taker Easy in the Big Easy. And now we're going to get back to oh. our story of Undertaker and Mankind at Revenge of the Taker from April 1997. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to drop Taker Easy line right now because I'll come at the end of the episode. But you guys enjoy. And so, yeah, that covers this year's WrestleMania, the uh, fallout from that. Uh, that's a shame you weren't able to be there with me, my man. It wasn't the same without you. But uh, I'm sure there'll be many more WrestleManias in the future. Oh, uh, yes, many more to be had, even if they're free seats or not, whatever. Maybe they'll come <laughs> back to Atlanta, redeem themselves from WrestleMania 27. I hope we can so, go. man. Yeah. That's a great new stadium there, man. They should go there. It is. Be awesome. So. I hope they're not forever tainted by the poor experience at <laughs> WrestleMania 27, but uh, yeah. I, I hope they'll come back. Um, <laughs> but we're uh, going to take it back like we do. going to take it back to the past, blast from the past, um, and we're going to go back to April, uh, March and April of 1997 as we cover the fallout from WrestleMania 13 and The Undertaker's match from the April 1997 In Your House pay-per-view, In Your House, Revenge of the Taker, as The Undertaker steps into the ring yet again with Mankind. Yes, you guys thought 1996 was enough Mankind? Not so fast, my friend. He's back here, rearing his ugly little head, still shaved, and uh, poor, man, his poor wife had to see him like with that horrible haircut at home all the time but kudos to mcfoley for you know living the gimmick so i was Good thinking about that as i was watching this match just yeah. that commitment to that character yeah. for years to just have these weird splotches and patches yeah. and it's that i mean well, you, you could wear a hat i'm sure he did but still oh i don't know that thing was nasty so <laughs> I, I i heard an interview with seamus recently he was talking about he's like you think i like this haircut like i just do it because i need to like so, but whatever. I thought, you know, Seamus sucks. But anyway, not to say me fully, but at least Seamus commits to the, the stupid character. But anyway, yeah, Undertaker, first title defense here. Uh, you know, his first title defense ever was against Hulk Hogan, and he lost that. First one on um, pay-per-view. On pay-per-view, excuse me. Because, yeah, he defended against 
British Bulldog British or something Bulldog. house shows, yeah. right? Yeah. First pay-per-view title defense we covered was way back in the day uh, against Hulk Hogan, which you know he lost. Um, here we are with his second pay-per-view title defense, and it's against his old nemesis from 96, Mankind. So, um, yeah. Anyway, I have something about the first title defenses. I want to talk about it once we cover this show, though, I okay. think. So. Okay. I, I'll save my thought till then. Uh, we'll yeah, just dive right. in to the build-up right here, and uh, we've got the Raw after WrestleMania, traditionally the biggest Raw of the year, a wild and crazy Raw that kind of sets the stage, and, and uh, they'd had some big Raws after WrestleMania already up to this point. I remember uh, 1995 is when Sid turns on Shawn Michaels, and uh, Shawn Michaels' babyface turn begins yep. right there, but it, it wasn't at the... Uh, It had not evolved to the Raw after WrestleMania as we know it today at this point. Uh, So uh, this one is March 23rd, 1997, if you're looking for it on the WWE Network. And really, it continues this the trend that we already saw at WrestleMania and that we're going to continue to see throughout the next few months is that The Undertaker is the WWF champion. So he is the main guy on the show in theory, but really the main thing on this show and through the WWF through most of 1997 is Bret Hart and Stone Cold mm-hmm. Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels. All right, this intermingling storyline because there is a like 30 minute interview segment with Bret Hart <laughs> and Shawn Michaels whining and crying at each other, and it's great. It's like oh, yeah. tremendously entertaining and breaking kayfabe and uh, just <laughs> breaking the fourth wall, especially for 1997. Oh yeah, but they eat up so much time in the show that pretty much uh, it. <laughs> It actually cuts into the Undertaker segment where he's supposed to come out at the end of the show and cut his victory promo, and the show ends up going off the air in the middle of his promo. <laughs> yeah, poor guy. He can't even get his own like his first promo after his title win, and you know came and stay on the air because I guess back then they probably didn't go till eleven fifteen. I don't know if they did back then or not. They, yeah. they may not have had that rollover, but anyway, regardless, yeah, it cut in his segment. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, it's. Yeah, that segment was long between Brett and Sean, but it was good. But yeah, it definitely cuts into the undercuts the uh, the importance of Undertaker's segment later on. So weird thing about this episode of Raw is that it, at the very top of the broadcast, Jr. just comes out on commentary and says, Man, "Here's a promo from Mankind. He's the number one contender for the World Wrestling Federation title." It's like what? Like right? He had a double count out. Uh, the night before at Mania, which you and I just researched and found, we, we're trying to wonder how in the world do you lose a match the night before and then become a number one contender next night? But I guess it must have just been like we know this is something that'll work. It's got a built-in storyline. I mean, I don't know what it was. Nowadays, you'd have the rematch with Sid. You know, they just invoke your rematch clause or whatever. Yeah. But <laughs> so at least it wasn't that. It's something different. But it definitely wasn't too different for the Undertaker. So. And they can kind of get away with it because of all the success that Mankind has sure. had against The Undertaker. So they can kind of get away with it in that point, uh, that sense. But yeah, it really doesn't make sense for him to jump up into a WWF championship opportunity this early on. Uh, like you said, Mankind has a little promo where he's crying about Paul Bearer leaving him, uh, that he's left him behind. And we also get a little clip of Paul Bearer. Uh, they try to interview Paul Bearer in the back, and he says... <laughs> He just keeps saying, you know who I want to talk to. You know who I want to talk to. He sees that – the storyline is that he sees that The Undertaker has become the WWF champion, and now he wants to get back in The Undertaker's good graces. He wants The Undertaker to take him back so that he can be associated with the WWF champion yet again. And so um, 
yeah, he ends up interrupting the Undertaker's promo, uh, entering in with the urn, trying to trying to apologize, uh, reconnect with the Undertaker, and like I said, unfortunately, it gets cut off in the middle of what they're trying to build up to. <laughs> out here. Uh, yeah, yeah, he does, and it's one thing about this promo. He, it's weird because he's going like Undertaker's going full babyface mode here. He talks about this title is yours to point to the crowd. He said, this is your title and uh, I'm your knight. Creatures, welcome to the dark days of the World Wrestling Federation. This title, the most prestigious in all of sports, is yours. And I am your knight that will fight anyone who tries to oppose us. So, he, I mean, this is like full blast babyface mode, you know, right here, which is, we haven't really seen that this last maybe two years, Undertaker. He's kind of got this new edge to him, but this was a step in the um, other direction where he's, um, you know, like I said, full-blown babyface, and he even thanks Stid, uh, Stid, Sid, excuse me, easy for me to say, he thanks Sid for stepping in the ring with him the night before and says, you know, my first reign was short because I lost my edge when you know, it was six days. Right. Six days. Yeah. yeah. He lost his edge. But he says, now, you know, I, I'll stay sharp. Or not, and and um, he, But he puts over Mankind as dangerous, you know. He had my number last year, and which is good. Again, we keep saying you got to put over your opponent because then when you beat him, you beat somebody. You know, if you if you run him down and you beat him, then big whoop, you know, who cares? So it, at least good for him. But, yeah, then Bear comes out, and, yeah, that segment just fades to black, unfortunately. Yeah, the, <laughs> sucks. Sh- the show ends with Mankind appearing up on the Titantron again, saying, Uncle Paul, Uncle Paul, I need you. I need you. So they're yeah. again, both sides are trying to pull at Paul Bear. Paul Bear is trying to play the Undertaker. I don't know. We're we're gonna find out the next right. week. So yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of goes off the air, leaving you wanting more. But it definitely felt like the show was just running along, and they didn't get to what they wanted to here. Oh um, yeah. I don't know if this is why, but uh, <laughs> Vince McMahon was really really flustered uh, during this segment because he starts off saying. Uh, would you please welcome me and joining? And then he just stops talking and then he just says, all right, here comes the WWF champion, the undertaker. And then the undertaker gets in the ring and he says on behalf of WF fans all over the world, congratulations. Like <laughs> just can't talk. <laughs> and he's still, Easy for him to say. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Congratulations. And I, oh. I do love that he's wearing his WrestleMania 13 denim jacket that he continues oh. to wear throughout the rest of the month on Monday Night Raw. Do you know how much that costs? Uh, we'll put this up on our social media accounts. Do you know I, how much that costs? My guess you want is guess? like $79.99. No, brother. It is $99. Oh. Here's, here's, there you go. I took a screenshot of it. $99 <laughs> WrestleMania 13 black denim jacket. Goodness gracious! In 1997, golly man, worth every penny. <laughs> I mean, if any of you guys have one, please put a picture of yourself on any of our social media accounts to show us that thing is is timeless. Vince it's might timeless. be the only one that has one. Uh, you know, Michael Hayes has one. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, those two guys. That's it, though. <laughs> oh, but anyways, this Miss Tom show of Raw takes us to the next week, uh, March 31st, 97. And 
nothing really transpires in the first hour overall regarding this storyline. Um, but at the top of the second hour, Paul Bear comes out and they show what happened last week on the Titantron, or I guess to the TV audience and on the Titantron to those in, in attendance. But uh, it, it shows what happened last week, but it has a little bit extra afterward, uh, different camera angle too. But yeah, it wasn't very much uh, more that happened. But yeah, you could tell the show was missed time. But, but, but Paul Bear is out there and he admits that um, – he was wrong. He he asked Undertaker to take him back and plead his case. And uh, <clears throat> at this point, uh, I believe Undertaker comes out and there's a casket at ringside. You don't see that until Undertaker makes his way down to the ring. There's a casket at ringside. So he stops in front of it and uh, kind of looks at it and goes to go into the ring and kind of backs away and looks at the casket again. And he, he has pulls this magic key out of somewhere, I don't know, and locks his casket down. So, uh, it's I brilliant, mean, man. Yeah. Well, all these years, who, they ha- where'd this key come from? He had, he had the skeleton key, dude. <laughs> he did. <laughs> so yeah, but it he finally it, learned it is, his lesson. He did, but it's kind of cool because it shows a lot of times baby faces are stupid. Uh, they get hoodwinked by everything, but he's not here. You know, he's, he's like, I know something's up here. I know Paul Bear is playing me or something thinks it is. So at least it shows that he's not an idiot. Cause a lot of baby faces, especially champions are like portrayed as buffoons, all of a sudden you become a babyface champion, you're an idiot. Like you get beat by distractions and roll ups all the time. So Undertaker's not falling into that trap at least. So yeah. Pulls out the skeleton key. Uh that was a bad movie featuring Kate Hudson, wasn't it? And uh yeah, yes, he locks was. he locks the casket. <laughs> I saw in theaters. Anyway, um and, uh, Vince uh is saying to King King is complaining that Paul Bearer has to be trusted. Why can't he trust Paul Bearer? And Vince suggests he says uh, King, I suggest you watch the movie Liar Liar. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> do, do some research on Liar. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who says Vince doesn't know about pop culture? Uh, I know. Well, at that point, how how long has that movie been out? Maybe it probably just came out it at that point. Probably just came out. Yeah, ninety seven. Yeah, that seems about right. <laughs> probably so. Oh man, what a yeah weird. <laughs> what else is weird is that Undertaker's music plays throughout this entire segment. Yeah. Like he gets in the ring and starts cutting his promo and his music keeps playing the entire time, uh, which is something we don't really, really see very often. So yeah, I noticed that I think, and it was either like a Brett promo this, maybe the week before or the week after something, there was one of his promos. The music played the entire time as well. I was like, is that a new thing they were trying or Probably. what? But it has to be hard to hear in the arena. <laughs> like, something that did not work just like uh, nowadays, they're trying all these promos with the words popping up on the screen, which does yeah. not work. And I hope it's as short lived as this, uh, as the SmackDown top 10 list. Oh, oh yeah. also very short lived. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was weird though. Yeah. I was like, this has gotta be an audio issue or something, but no music plays the entire time. So it's weird, but <clears throat> Undertaker getting back to that, his promo, he says betrayal is something I can never forget, but it is something I may be able to forgive. And he says that he owes Paul bear for the years they spent together. And, um, the crowd is you know, booing all this. Yeah. Too. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, they are, because they don't want to see this again, you know? So he hands Paul Bear the WWF title, and Paul Bear kind of holds it up and looks at it, and he turns around to the fans and turns back around toward Undertaker. Undertaker just smashes him in the face <laughs> with a punch. So, again, good to see Undertaker not to fall into the pit of, you know, the stupid pitfall of, of Paul Bear. He's he's one step ahead, so that was really neat, because, again, if you'd done that on today's television, the babyface would have had their, you know, egg all over their face. So, But uh, it was really you're not buying this BS and just pound Paul Bear in the face. And the crowd responds like they should have they do. years ago or, or last year, you know? And Paul Bear just sells the whole time brilliantly his facial reactions to everything Undertaker's saying. 
Yeah. He, he gets all sad and then he starts smiling <laughs> and it's like he's just he thinks Undertaker's fallen into his trap perfectly. Yeah. Uh, and he just holds that championship up with pride when Undertaker hands it to him. And then when he gets decked, just sells it, screaming, and <laughs> falls out of the ring. And like we said, the Undertaker locked up the casket, but unfortunately he did not look underneath the ring. Because mm. Mankind comes crawling out from under the ring. And we get a pretty wild uh, um, attack from Mankind yeah. here. Something probably Jim Cornette loved and probably Jim Cornette thought of <laughs> here. Yeah. Jim, uh, Mankind lights a fireball and throws it into the face of The Undertaker. Something yeah. I don't know. I, I think Sergeant Slaughter did it to Hulk Hogan back around WrestleMania 7 time, but pretty rare for the WWF to yeah. have that extreme of an angle here. Pretty crazy to see. Ne- uh, definitely never seen on uh, Monday Night on Raw, Raw. Something no. like that before. Not seen in a yeah. long, long time. I think this is pretty typical, like mid south or like uh, uh, maybe mid Atlantic or something. They probably seen this kind of stuff, but yeah, for WWF TV, this was brand new as far as I can tell. Like you said, maybe that Sergeant Slaughter thing, but it was cool. Again, it's you know it's flash paper that you light and you throw it, but um, it's really cool to see because at this point in the feud, you don't see the flash paper, you just right. see <laughs> the fireball. <laughs> yeah, something's coming. It's uh, yeah, botchmania. But uh, this point is really neat. It's a neat visual. They the camera Shot- cut. Yeah. Catches it right. Yeah, it's shocking. Comes out of nowhere. Again, we go on to see it later on with Kane. Uh, does it multiple times and stuff. But um, here is brand new. It's really cool. And talk about selling, man. I, again, I cannot put over Undertaker selling enough. He sells this fireball like he actually got burned in the face yes. with it. Like yes. it is so good. I wonder if he was actually burned at one point in his life and knew what it felt like. As he rolls around, like it's not oversold though. Like you, you feel sympathy for him as a character you you're buying into it you're like oh man and you want to see him get his revenge on mankind because instantly you feel bad for him like his face got burned so really well done selling about undertaker as always yeah he's acting like he's been blinded these referees come out to check on him and he starts swinging at the referees like he doesn't know who's uh touching him or something like that yeah, Mankind and Paul Bear are celebrating. And oh, this, yeah. <laughs> this is when Psycho Sid runs out. Psycho Sid runs out to save yeah. The Undertaker, and he he chases Mankind around the ring like he just hit a triple out in softball. He, <laughs> he is flying around the ring, man. And uh, this is actually the last time that we're going to see Psycho Sid for a while here. Uh, he's going to be gone from the company. He's going to ha- pop up one more time randomly in the summer. Uh, after a few months off, but this is pretty much it for Psycho Sid right here. He's being built up for a match at the next pay-per-view and on the next episode of Raw, but we're not actually going to see him out there. So definitely a lot of chaos going on behind the scenes. Well, we're now in the blaze of glory here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So um, uh, but- I didn't realize that was Sid's last thing, but uh, yeah, he and he, he gets on the promo, I think, and he says mankind is messing with fire and He's going to burn in hell. That's what he tells him. So I was like, wow. That's pretty, pretty strong words from the psycho Sid. Psycho uh, Southern Baptist preacher. Oh, there. Yeah. Oh, mankind's going to burn in hell. Exactly. Uh, and Jerry Lawler is saying he's worried about mankind. An update on the condition of the Undertaker as we progress. I'm sort of worried about mankind. What? That, that mandible claw, we knew it wasn't human. It must have been some kind of bionic thing that short-circuited and it exploded. He could, his arm could be hurt. He's positing that mankind has a robotic arm, 
somehow that malfunctioned and shot out a ball of fire on accident on the Undertaker. That's how Jerry Lawler tries to explain this. So I appreciated that. Yeah, well, because he's justified. He, I mean, he's justifying exactly. it. It's yeah, he's so good. I, I didn't take for I took for granted him listening to him growing up, and now I, he's so much better than I thought he was. He's great. Um, <laughs> that leads us to the next Wait, week. Over, hold on. Oh, go ahead. I want to say two other things about this this show real quick. By all means, Vince McMahon unleashed a new catchphrase or tried to at the beginning <laughs> of the Warzone segment, or yeah. the second hour of the show. The fireworks are going off, and Vince McMahon yells out. That's how he describes the fireworks, which uh, I think would make a great T-shirt right there. Oh. That's his way of introducing the war zone. <laughs> Maybe he was just prefacing what we, or giving us a little precursor what's to come. Right. Because right. it's fireball. I'm sure Undertaker has a contusion, maybe concussion, and maybe he got explosion. So who knows? <laughs> he used that line a little too early. So. Yeah, a little bit. And this <laughs> is hilarious. also uh, a very famous segment on Raw. Also happens, you know, not to mention the fireball, but this is the episode where Bret Hart reunifies the Hart family. He mm-hmm. gets back together with British Bulldog and Owen Hart, interrupts them, uh, their argument, their feuding with each other. And so the two main storylines that are building up on this episode of Raw, they keep talking about the reunification of Paul Bearer and The Undertaker. That's what they're yep. building up this segment. And we're also seeing the reunification of Bret Hart with British Bulldog and Owen Hart, who have been separated for a long time. So I just thought it was kind of interesting how those two main storylines are kind of paralleling with each other. Uh, and obviously Undertaker and Mankind, or excuse me, Undertaker and Paul Bearer are going to take a little bit of a detour, but it's just funny how we're seeing these two classic pairings and tandems being brought back together and going in new evolutions for their storylines, but they're, they're building up. They're, they're sort of the central part of the WWF. Oh right yeah. Now. And <clears throat> Owen and Brett and Bulldog, Man, I watched that segment on this episode of Raw. Uh, it's like they deserve Emmys for their performances, <laughs> yeah. dude. Like they're Owen and Bulldog are crying while Bret Hart is trying to bring them back together. It's just incredible, <laughs> incredible acting for wrestling, and I think yeah. it's just great acting in general. They're playing yep. their parts to a T. And as a kid, man, I was—I uh, know we're talking about Undertaker here, but I just like—I was all in on the Hart family, dude. Bret Hart is cutting these promos about how. The Americans don't respect family. Yeah, he just wants to be reunited with his brother. And I was like, yeah, man, I love it. I want <laughs> Bret Hart and Owen Hart to be reunified. And Stone, like, I grew up in Baptist church. And I'm like, Stone Cold, he cusses. <laughs> he flips the middle finger. He is exactly. a bad guy. So, and the announcers are crapping on Bret Hart, saying Stone Cold has freedom of speech, all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, no, man, you got to. Bret Hart's my man. Bret Hart's the guy. I want to. That's so great that him and Owen are back together. Why can't the announcers get behind it? I. Didn't realize it, man. So I was actually cheering for the heels. You're uh, on the dark uh, side. Didn't realize yeah, it. Yeah, in a sense. Uh, <laughs> I was probably the only kid in America who was like that. But um, <laughs> That's funny. And we'll talk more about that as these uh, weeks go on. But Sure. Yeah. Uh, we That's funny. Go on to Raw April 7th. 7th. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, this Raw opens with a video recap again of Mankind throwing the fireball. But again, it's – the show opening recap. So again, like you said, central storylines going in here and it should be, it's for the WWF title, you know? So that should always be, in my opinion, that should always be a number one story. Um, if this is supposed to be taken as a legit sport, sometimes we know the title matches take back seats to other featured matches as will on this in your house card in, in your house, 14, what's it called? 
what Revenge did you of the Taker? Oh, no, what? <laughs> it should be called Great Balls of Fire. Exactly. Exactly. If Great any pay-per-view deserved that title, it's this one. <laughs> yeah. Not that's... whatever stupid pay-per-view was last year. Not Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar from last year. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, there was no fireballs. No fireballs. <laughs> this one should have been in your house. Well, Great we're going to see why they don't try any fireballs anymore. Yeah. Uh, in, in a <laughs> You're few right. minutes here. So, um, but this again, this show opens up with the recap of that, and in ring, there's a promo by Mankind. He talks. It's it's really weird. He kind of breaks down. He kind of blurs the lines of reality with between Mick Foley and, and Mankind again. Yes, he does. His introduction in the Royal Wrestling Federation, he was like this strange creature type guy. This weird. He didn't have any like human backstory, but here he talks about flying 14 hours with charred flesh from his matches in Japan and getting home and. Talks about his horrible life outside the WWF. Basically, when he's home, his wife has to see him. It's, I mean, he brings up his wife and his personal life. And you and I were talking before we started recording about how his, as a character, his hair is you know ripped out and mangled, and his head's half shaved and stuff. And in real life, he has to go home and look like that, you know, to his wife uh, who stuck with him through through all this stuff. So it is is really you know breaking down that that fourth wall and kind of blurring that shades of gray, which is again strange for this character of mankind, but. As we all know, that's going to make Mankind even more sympathetic eventually, and he'll become one of the biggest faces and put a sock on his hand and sell millions, <laughs> millions of dollars worth of merchandise. What's the point of all these uh, apron bumps and hell-in-the-cell bumps? All you have to do is put a sock on your arm <laughs> and become a champion. So, Man, that is the lesson <laughs> for the wrestling business now right there, dude. All these – all these guys taking these crazy bumps on these indie <laughs> shows. They just need to listen to that right there. Yeah. <laughs> but but I want, I mean, he, he gives this really creepy poem about presidential assassination. Did you catch that? When Oswald shot Kennedy, he was insane. But still we watch the reruns again and again. We all think blue while the killer takes aim. Hey, Bob! There goes the priestess of the president's bread! We cannot throw the Christians to the lions anymore. There are no more public hangings. The closest we have is the undertaker and mankind. I don't know if it's... Is it it's like a Shel Silverstein poem or something? What is it? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know what it is. But... but yeah, it's weird. His promo's great. I mean, I yeah. loved it. Like you it's said, he, he's basically becoming... It's sort of like the ECW era Cactus Jack style yes. promo, uh, making the fans out to be the bad guys. Yep. Uh, and he's, he has a really cool line where he says, if if they if you guys as the fans thought the fireball was bad, then don't order the pay-per-view because yeah. <laughs> what I'm going to do there is going to be way worse than that. Uh, and he says he's reserved a hospital room for himself and for The Undertaker, <laughs> which is uh, just a great line. Uh, and that he's going to char the Undertaker's flesh so badly that he's going to have to wear a mask like Mankind wears. And Paul Bearer pulls out yep. another Mankind mask out of his pocket, which is just, I mean, just really selling this promo or, or selling oh, yeah. this match, man. Great, great <clears throat> promo here. Uh, again, which, this this title feud kind of came out of nowhere, but again, they're putting their effort, and again, they had that backstory built into it from 1996, so it's really cool, and yeah, seeing it take a different turn here is, is really neat. Um, like I said, they're all selling it, and I thought it was just a neat thing. He's like, don't order the pay-per-view then, because it's going to get nasty, <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Um, another thing they're selling on this episode of Raw is this Undertaker door banner. Did you see that oh, commercial? Oh, yeah. Look at the size of this thing. Can you imagine this? 
hanging on your bedroom door? Why, you'd be the coolest kid on the block with the hottest thing in the World Wrestling Federation, the WWF champion, The Undertaker. And you won't believe this. The best thing about it is the price. Only $29.95. Can you believe that? Only $29.95 plus shipping and handling. You can be a creature of the night and never worry once about bed bugs that bite. That thing is terrifying. It like, is. I can't imagine having that in my bedroom with like Undertaker's <laughs> white eyes sta- staring at it with no pupils, like Children of the Corn staring. Yeah. At Doc Hendricks is trying to sell it. Like, and there's these kids staring up at it like they're hypnotized by it. That thing is legitimately terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I didn't take a screenshot of it, but I think it was like 40 bucks, though. Right. Uh, yeah, it's, it takes up your whole door, man. <laughs> Big Undertaker yeah. fathead. Yeah, basically. It was it was huge, but it was terrifying. Um, but at, During this promo, I guess at the end of this Mankind promo, the uh, gong hits and Undertaker comes over the PA system. and So he must not have been there. They must have – I don't know what their schedule was like, but um, – Anyway, uh, um, well, I guess he's just, he's selling the, uh, the fireball. Oh yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. I forgot about that. So he comes over and says that mankind will spend an eternity paying for his sins and he's going to open up the vault of lost souls and unleash the worst soul there. And hell hath no fury like the undertaker. So, which I never, I've always heard of hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, but apparently it's hell hath no fury like the undertaker. So. Yeah. We've been getting it wrong all these years. <laughs> all these years. Yeah. Oh, so, um, and like anyway. I, you know, like I said on the last episode, it's supposed to be Sid versus Mankind on this episode of Raw. They're building up this match and saying Sid hasn't arrived at the arena yet. We're not sure if he's going to be here. Yeah. Uh, so and he ends up not being there. No showing the show. I guess uh, I'm not sure the history, uh, the backstage history, or the scoop back there, but uh, ends up not being there. So the match gets switched to Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Mankind. Stone Cold. Uh, says he'll replace Sid as long as he can get Bret Hart at the In Your House pay-per-view. So they have a little brawl at the end of the show, uh, which Vader ends up interfering in and accidentally hitting Mankind. So the show goes off the air with Mankind and Vader brawling uh, and Paul Bear trying to get in between them. So there's just chaos and dissension in Paul Bear's family uh, is how they're going to go off the air there, Um, which takes us to the go-home show. Uh, which is generally regarded as one of the worst episodes of Monday Night Raw of mm-hmm. all time, where they are split in between the United States and South Africa. And it is, uh, yeah. Good Lord, man. We don't need to spend this much was... time on the easy to easy skip over this show, pretty much. It's horrifying. Yeah. It is absolutely horrible. Um, yeah, this is one of the worst rated, I think, at the time, lowest ratings of all time. And, uh, during my research for this, I was reading some reviews and watching watching it and trying to do some research. And I, I read one review that said that, the, that because of this low rating, the very next week is when Vince Russo takes over as the you know head writer. And if that is indeed true, I, I'm going to do some more research on that and we'll have an update hopefully on our next episode. But um, that is indeed true. You can definitely tell because that next week's episode is Vince Russo are all over it. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> but this one does not. Too. Yeah. Um, yeah, pay-per-view is too. I'm glad so. they made that change and that uh, they did not change over to having the Honky Tonk Man be the permanent <laughs> announcer on Monday Night Raw because he has done commentary for the past two episodes. And, man, do you, do you remember Will Ferrell's skit on SNL where he was the guy with voice and modulation oh, disorder yes. where he could yes. only talk and one <laughs> only sounded like he was yelling? Yeah, that's what the honky tonk man <laughs> sounds like on commentary. Just that's perfect. Straight yelling, with monotone yelling the uh, entire time. He's an announcer, and I love honky tonk man. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame, but not as an announcer. 
No, by no means. Uh, no, he's horrifying as an announcer. But um, great character, wonderful Intercontinental Champion, arguably yes. one of the greatest of all time. Absolutely. Uh, and but yeah, commentary not his cup of tea. So definitely here for the paycheck. <laughs> but, uh, I think this Raw is this one is Mankind Invader versus the Headbangers. Yeah, they're back. A, Mankind Invader are back together with yeah. no mention of their little spat nope. last week on Raw. Nope. So they fight the Headbangers to a horrible, like really competitive match honestly yeah it ends in a dq and because mankind gets sprayed in the eyes uh with something is it is mosh or somebody sprays him in the eyes with something exactly i don't know what it what mosh we don't i don't think the camera shows what he no. did like it just probably sprayed water uh spit yeah. water like triple h uh, into his eyes or something poisonous spew probably is what it was <laughs> it's been spew um but anyway and then you know he's kind of selling that he got sprayed in the eyes by something and then there's some audio from the Undertaker, uh, which I don't th- I think was put in during post production because mm-hmm. the audience is just sitting there, they're not responding like they should have. Um, Undertaker comes over the PA system and says basically that he's going to come face to face with the face of rage or something at in your house. So that's that's the build up. <laughs> that's it. That's the go home, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it. there's some great stuff going on in 1997 WWF. Some some of the most memorable stuff. Sure. In WWF history, and uh, we look fondly upon all this good stuff, but it was not overall a very messy show. Uh, a lot of mm, stuff that's not well thought out. That it's just, right. you know, there's a reason they were losing to WCW during this time period, and, and honestly, oh, yeah. I was watching WCW much more during this time period. I don't remember. I don't know when you started jumping back in to wrestling, uh, but I know for me. As a WWF guy, through and through, even at this time, I was all about the NWO. I was all about mm-hmm. WCW. I went to Nitro around this time period, around <clears> March <throat> or April uh, in Atlanta. And I was definitely, you know, I would go back and forth. And I remember certain segments of these Monday Night Raws that we've been going through. But I was watching Nitro hardcore. I mean, that was the better show. That was the more yeah. interesting show, uh, hands down. Uh, even for a myself, who I consider a WWF guy. And uh, yeah. I don't. Were you watching Nitro yet? When did you jump? I don't remember. I when was you jumped probably, back. I was probably a few months or maybe a month or two after this. I mean, I know I'd seen NWO shirts and stuff at at, at school at this point, but uh, you and I wouldn't have met at this point yet. But that's kind of when I've officially jumped on was probably in August. But I was probably perusing back and forth and just flipping through and seeing. I wasn't really attached yet. But I do remember NWO. I remember Hulk Hogan being a bad guy at this point and being blown away by that and um sting had kind of disappeared and i remember you know just kind of casually knowing that but on the wwf side i do remember like you said stone cold uh sickened me his character did <laughs> i was turned off by him because i got yeah, like you said raising a, a, a baptist home i was like this guy's awful he's yeah. casting and flicking people out. so i was not uh, i did not have an affinity for him even though i should have because he was awesome but i grew to love him later but anyway, yeah, so this part I wasn't really latched on yet. But, yeah, going back and watching this stuff, definitely still WCW guy at this point. Um, so, But anyway, that brings us to In Your House 14 Great Balls of Fire, Revenge of the Taker. <laughs> uh, opens up with a uh, – is this the uh, – golly, is this from – is this the uh, same promo that uh, – Samuel L. Jackson gives in Pulp Fiction from uh, like is that Ezekiel or which or Isaiah came from the Bible? Yeah, we should have researched. Uh, we yeah. should know. Speaking of being good Baptists, right? Know, uh, it's Freddie Blassie narrating some Bible verses over yeah. clips of 
Mankind of the Undertaker's feud. But yeah, I don't know exactly where it came from. On this day, he will rise up with great vengeance and furious anger. All will know his name. The man who covets the flame will come face to face with the fire which is the rage of the Undertaker. I can't Sad to that. say. Yeah. Well, um, but it was but cool. There, yeah, it was neat. And I just thought of Pulp Fiction uh, because of that classic, you know, um, Samuel L. Jackson line. A movie I've never seen, but I refuse to see. Anyway, uh, there's no gimmick set here in your house. Like, as, there's a house, but there's no gimmick. Like, you know, Buried Alive had the, you know, tombstone in the walkway and all that kind of stuff. And there's nothing, nothing specific to Undertaker. You know, Mind Games had all the cool little, like, uh, CGI visuals and stuff. This one is just in your house. It's called Revenge of the Taker, but you wouldn't know that by looking at the set pieces. Right. So, anyway, but um, this uh, title match is second to last. So again, as I mentioned a little earlier, it's the two main stories you said are Austin and and Hart still, and the Hart Foundation, and then uh, Undertaker and and Mankind here. And again, this one gets put on second to last. So well, it's funny because. It- it's supposed to be the main event, but during the show, uh, there's this funny little segment with uh, uh, their backstage. Uh, Doc Henderson is interviewing Mark Marrow, but in the background, we see British Bulldog and Owen Hart sneak into a, a locker room, yeah. <laughs> and they beat up Stone Cold, and then they sneak back out, and they like do a double take when they see the cameras and run away. Which is <laughs> yeah, it's like Scooby-Doo. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a cartoon. <laughs> so they beat up Stone Cold, and the storyline is Gorilla Monsoon says, well, we're going to switch the order of the matches and let Stone Cold have a little bit more time to recuperate so he can face Bret Hart in the main event. But, you know, really... In reality, it's just because Stone Cold is so hot. Stone Cold and Bret Hart yeah. are so hot, they are putting them in that main event slot. <clears throat> and uh, Undertaker kind of gets screwed over here uh, yeah. and has to go second from the top, even though he's the WWF champion. It's kind of insulting. But, At uh, least they explain it, though. You know, right. like, that's my, like, I, I always feel like the WWF title match should go in last, you know, unless it's Royal Rumble or something. But, you know, I feel like a lot of, a lot of, champions have been screwed um and not getting that but with no explanation at least here they have a storyline but like john laurinitis and john cena headlines over cm punk oh, no yeah. oh, yeah. are you kidding me wow with no storyline like oh golly um you know i that blocked that one out of my memory <laughs> well you're welcome okay. <laughs> yeah <laughs> remembrance uh anyway yeah but they do get screwed up but again at least there is a storyline development there, and it makes sense, I guess. But um, Mankind comes out first with Paul Bear, and he's bringing, he brings his own fire extinguisher to the ring. Yeah. <laughs> that was a neat touch. But on the same hand, I'm like, well, if it's going to get ugly, why do you want a fire extinguisher? Yep. So I don't know. But I'm, I'm sure it was probably um, – I bet about four months later there was a Mankind action figure with a fire extinguisher. Uh, I'm sure there was, yeah. <laughs> so um, – um, it- as he's coming down to the ring, JR asks Vince McMahon if he's ever pictured mankind as the poster boy of the WWF. And Vince McMahon's like, oh, I shudder at the thought of yeah. something like that, which is funny considering, you know, we know the future and how right. important Mick Foley would be to the WWF uh, going yeah. forward. But uh, it's just funny to hear Vince uh, say that on commentary. And well, we that was probably a shoot answer, too. I was like, oh, a, yeah, a I'm sure. Real, real answer, not a, not a character answer. So, yeah. Uh, we do have JR, the King, and Vince McMahon, uh, the three-man booth on commentary for this match. Um, 
The Undertaker comes out next, of course. The champion comes out last, and the lights flicker before his music hits. Uh, the arena goes dark, and we see all the lighters in the crowd, a lot of lighters in the crowd for this Fireflies. one. Fireflies. Man, I just miss hearing uh, the Fink make that announcement. I know. The World Wrestling Federation champion, The Undertaker. Dude, no one has ever done it better than the Fink. His, his voice just sounds so good. Love it does. Him make the announcements. I hope he never, ever loses his job until he passes away. Exactly. Like, I hope, like, Jim Johnson got cut this year. Yeah, Jim Johnson should always have a job, so should the Fink. So. Uh, the Undertaker actually takes off his jacket halfway down the aisle and just is ready to go at it with Mankind. Runs, throws the jacket down, runs into the ring, they start brawling. And the Undertaker's face is actually, we see it is about halfway, uh, the right side of his face is all bandaged up. Yeah. This is the first time we've seen him since the fireball. He's selling it, man. He's selling it like yeah. his face has been badly scarred. And I was thinking... They should have brought back the mask. They should have brought back uh, the nineteen ninety five the Phantom of yeah. the Opera mask. Would have been a perfect opportunity for it. I, I mean, if he wore his old garb at WrestleMania, might as well have brought his Phantom of the Opera mask back. So, yeah. But, I wonder if they ever thought about that. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? But yeah, he does have that on his face. And again, we're going to see it later. You see the makeup underneath. It looks like a nasty, uh, nasty spot he has there. Contusions, explosions, <laughs> contusions, concussions. Yeah, um, but yeah, they start going out immediately, and again, commentary continues to put over how mankind has had Undertaker's number in the past. So I, again, I, I appreciate that uh, sticking to that story because um, you wouldn't hear that nowadays. But it's really cool continuity there. But um, this is kind of go back and forth in the ring a little bit, and then mankind does the cactus clothesline over the top. Of course, Undertaker lands on his feet naturally. as he always does <laughs> naturally. Um, but then Undertaker throws mankind's head into the guardrail. And then he throws it into the guardrail. And then he throws it into the guardrail. And then he throws it into the guardrail. He just repeatedly slamming his head, like, unprotected into the guardrail. Throws him over into the audience. Beats him up. Hits his head into the guardrail over and over and over again. And you're like, golly, man. Looking at it now, it's just hard to watch. You know, and what we know about concussions and CTE and stuff, man. And, and there's some, some chair shots coming up, too, that make it hard to watch. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, a Mankind takes an incredible beating in this match, uh, just adding to all the ones we've seen over over these past few months, man. I mean, he, he takes it like nobody else. Yep. Unfortunately, he probably shouldn't have, but yep. uh, just taking it, just watching it as it is, it's it's incredible to watch, man. you got to yeah. give it up to him for his performance and for his sacrifices for the business. No doubt about it. And prior to this, to watching this match for our, our podcast, I'd never seen this match. I've seen the highlights. I know I didn't realize they came from this match. Though. There's something we're going to talk about in a minute, a big spot. I didn't realize it came from this match. So um, I'd always wonder what match it came from. So this was neat for me to go back and watch it uh, as a fan and see, oh, crap, that's where that came from. Mm-hmm. So be a part of it. So anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. But um, back in the ring, Iron Terry goes for old school. And I don't, did you? Did something happen here? That was mankind Dude. supposed to let go or what? I don't know. Something I've never seen before. Undertaker's yeah. going for old school, and mankind just lets go of the Undertaker's <laughs> hand. Like yeah. we've seen him do this move, you know, how many years. times? Yes. Yeah. And the guy just always holds the Undertaker's hand, walks along. Undertaker jumps off and hits him. Mankind does the smartest thing ever. He just lets go <laughs> of the Undertaker's hand. But the yeah. Undertaker, being a pro. He stands on the top on the rope for a second and just dives off and clotheslines mankind anyway. So yeah. I think it was supposed to be a cool spot. Uh, yeah, it may have been a mistake. I'm not sure because the announcers completely miss it. 
They right. don't describe it at all. I think it was supposed to be a cool spot. Yeah, but, uh, it was. It, and it, it was. was. Yeah, if they meant to do it, it was really cool. <laughs> Just showing that agility for such a big guy, man. He's – golly, Undertaker. I have such a more appreciation since we've been doing this podcast for him. Again, always liked him, but he was never my favorite. Like we mentioned in our first episode, and you and I never say he's our favorite wrestler of all time, but – Man, he's he's getting out there, man. The more we watch his stuff, oh, yeah, he's absolutely. so good. I appreciate everything he does. So, um, at this point, I think he goes for a tombstone uh, really early in the match, and Paul Bear interferes and distracts the referee. And um, at this point, I think Mankind has to earn. Um, and yeah. hits Sidekicker with it behind the ref's back. Yeah, and gets a two count. A and two did count. you catch Jerry Lawler's line here? No. What did he say? He said, "I told you, he earned it." <laughs> and Vince goes. <laughs> earned it <laughs> like he's like for real laughing on air <laughs> it's so funny i told you he earned it and i was just like man what a horrible dad joke i love it though so good love it yeah um uh, yeah and there's actually a the crowd pops big for undertaker's kick out right there i mean kind of mm-hmm. gets a two count and the crowd's into it it's a good crowd yeah for this match uh, they start a pretty big rest in peace chant as mankind mm-hmm. he kind of takes over from this point uh works a nerve hold for uh, a good couple minutes and crowd gets into it man um, mm-hmm. undertaker fires back up ends up uh, tossing mankind out of the ring and then mankind picks up a pitcher <laughs> of water off the announcer's yeah. table and just busts it over undertaker's head yeah. and Again, this match, I don't know if we said, this is not a no-DQ, no-count-out nope. match. It's not supposed to be. But uh, Vince is screaming, that should be a DQ. I, yeah. I mean, I agree, honestly. Vince he just picked up a weapon and bashed him over the head with it. And then he, and not only that, he's going to hit him with a, a headshot with a chair in just yes. a second, too. And <laughs> Vince, is, yeah, Vince is like, why is this not a DQ? And I was like, I, yeah, I wonder why as well. Like, how, why? The ref is staring at them. There's no distraction by Paul Bear or anything. So... I don't know, man. They didn't really explain it, but they didn't even cover for it in commentary. It's like, oh, well, he just let him be a little more lenient because title match, like, which they do do that nowadays if they catch it. But, um, yeah, it was weird. But Vince is like, I don't know if he's like literally mad, like in real life mad or what, but he's like, why is that not a DQ? So I think it's I one of those things. We've talked about some of these matches. It just doesn't seem like everyone's on the same page, whether it's the refs, yeah. the agents, the announcers, just who knows? Yeah. yeah, who knows? They're just kind of doing what they want. Uh, and mankind goes up to the middle rope at this point, and Undertaker's on the outside, and he hits well, like one of those cactus elbow drops, but not from the apron, from the middle rope. Ow! <sighs> man, ouch! That's what I wrote. I wrote ouch because that just again, man. All you gotta do is put a sock on your arm, pull out your pants, and you can make millions. Destroying Crazy. his hips. Yeah, I know. Uh, but then the ref's given the five count as Undertaker is uh, – he's like choking Mankind in the, in the ropes. They get back in the ring and ref's like, one, two, three. I'm like, is it no DQ or not? So I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, it, <laughs> who knows at this point. Um, the ref does get bumped here in a few yep. minutes. Uh, there's Mankind hits a couple of those uh, wedgie pile drivers. Yeah, but looks then so they, good. They look good. The ref gets sandwiched in between Undertaker and Mankind, so he gets knocked out. Yep. Uh, another ref comes out, and Mankind just puts the Manimal Claw on this <laughs> yeah. ref, tosses him out of the ring. I, I pop for that, man. He didn't care. He just Manimal Clawed the referee right when he got in the ring. That was Which, great. I guess it's because he wants to hit some weapon shots here, but they've been able to hit other weapon right. shots, so I don't know what the point of all this is. But <laughs> yeah, he ends up going out to get the stairs uh, from the outside, and Undertaker hits like a Braun Strowman like, drop kick yeah. into the stairs uh, on demand. Onto mankind, crowd goes nuts for this. Uh, really, <laughs> yeah. really great spot here. 
Yeah, it was really cool. I've always enjoyed that. You know, kick the kick the stairs. The guy's holding into his face, and he falls, and they fall on him. That's always a good spot, used sparingly. But right. watching Undertaker get that drop kick up so high again, man, he's just so agile for a big guy. Then he picks up the chair and hits Mankind with a oh, 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 horrible headshot, man, yes. with the chair. It's Nasty just, chair shot. Golly, it's terrifying to watch. Uh, and then. They do that spot where they go to throw Mankind over the ropes and he gets his head caught in between the top and the middle rope, which that spot scared me as a kid, too, just watching the guy. I mean, I know it's he's protecting himself, but just isn't that how his ear got ripped off in Japan? Exactly. Just like that? Yeah. Man, <laughs> if I lost my ear doing a spot, I would probably stop doing that spot in future <laughs> yeah. matches, but not exactly. Mick Foley, dude. He's oh, man. going all the way with it. Uh, but his when his head's yeah, go ahead. You're gonna say the same thing. Oh, that his mask comes off at yeah. this point, which is I think the first time we'd ever seen that, and the announcers are kind of selling it. Um, and fun, uh, earlier in the match, Jim Ross, uh, when uh, when Mankind got hit with the stairs in the face, Jim Ross used some logic I never heard before, saying, "Well, that mask protected his face right there, so he probably didn't <laughs> get hurt too bad from it." And I've never yeah. heard the logic that Mankind's face was really being protected by right. that mask from headshots i don't know no. where jim ross came up with that one but uh yeah well, a couple of papers ago he was like he's not wearing a helmet when he gets his head hit oh, into the- yeah, yeah. So, Touché. Yeah, i don't know come on jr continuity man mm-hmm. but uh, we're just kidding but anyway yeah take a rips that mask off of him because it's already hanging off halfway and so then he slams uh mankind with the stairs off the apron uh and oh no i'm sorry Mankind is up on the apron, standing there, and Undertaker picks up the stairs. And this is the spot I was talking about. I've seen this spot a million times on the highlight episodes or whatever, but I didn't know what match it was from. Undertaker runs across the ring, hits Mankind, who's standing on the apron with the stairs, and Mankind (laughs) dives headfirst into a announce table. And, I mean, his head goes into the table, and his little legs are sticking out like a cartoon. It is just – but it is disgusting. Like, it's such a yuck spot, man. Like he just dives headfirst into this table, and I don't know how that table was gimmicked or what, or but he just pushed his face straight through the table. It's oh. so dangerous. It's so crazy. I don't know where how they were able to do it either. It's so cool too. I mean, yeah. it's, I've never seen that spot before. Never seen it since. I've never, never seen, seen anyone it again. go through a table like that. Probably because it is really dangerous and crazy. But yeah, I also didn't know where that spot was from for the longest time. I've seen this match once before. It was years later that I saw it, but I also didn't know where that spot was. Some of you listening, if you've never seen this match, you've probably seen that spot before of Mankind yeah. going head first through a table. And if you've ever wondered, this is the match that it's from. In your house, Revenge of the Taker. And The Undertaker, uh, the crowd goes crazy for it. Yeah. Undertaker gets Mankind back in the ring, hits a choke slam. I thought that was going to be the finish right yeah. there, but it only gets a two count. That was uh, a perfect false finish. I mean, there was, was so much drama in it. Like, yeah. the crowd was thought it was. I was like, it when he kicked been. out, I was, I popped too because I didn't know how this match ended. I, I just, first time I've seen it. So it easily could have been the finish, but Undertaker slashes the throat, hits the tombstone, and gets a nice solid win for his first WWF title defense. A nice clean win. Yeah. uh, And a a good solid pop from the crowd. Uh, Paul Bear is real sad on the outside. Yeah. Taker celebrates. He does. Uh, His match is 17 minutes and 26 seconds, so uh, a little longer than the last couple outings we've seen, but it's still good. I don't think it was – they could have shaved a couple minutes off, but it, it was it was fine for what it was. So it wasn't cool... it wasn't their best brawl, but it wasn't their worst by any means. That was uh, 
Golly, which one was that with the shark cage? That's oh, Survivor yeah. Series. Survivor Series yeah. '96, definitely yeah. better than that. <laughs> yeah, there's some great spots in there. Yeah, I don't know if it's like the best match, like no, best no. laid out match, but they they're working hard. There's some good spots in there. Uh, it's worth watching to see some of these really cool uh, moments in there, and the crowd's and, into it. So yeah, and they it, just got chemistry together. There's just two guys that click yes. no matter what they do. So perfectly acceptable so. wrestling. Uh, but unfortunately, it's tainted by the post-match <laughs> angle uh, quite a bit. Uh, Undertaker yep. raises the lights up. Uh, he celebrates for just a second. The lights go out, and he raises the lights up in the ring and does the throat slash motion towards Paul Bearer. So he's going to get yeah. uh, another piece of revenge against Paul Bearer, uh, who perpetrated this attack, burning his face. Paul Bearer tries to run away. Undertaker stalks him across the ring and JR gets to use his favorite line uh, saying it's a good thing. Paul bear is wearing a dark yep. suit. <laughs> He's used that line yep. like 30 times and uses yep. it again. And what's supposed to happen here is that oh, as Paul bear man. and undertaker roll into the ring, undertaker is in between Paul bear and mankind and mankind is supposed to throw another fireball towards the undertaker, but the undertaker is going to push Paul bear into the way and burn Paul Bear's face. That is right. what's supposed to happen. That's the design spot here. Undertaker and Paul Bear do their motion, get into place. Mankind throws something, like sticks his <laughs> hand out, and nothing happens. The flame oh. doesn't light. The flash paper doesn't ignite. And these guys just kind of stand in place for five seconds, not knowing what to do. Yeah. And I will say this though, you know, I'm in, I remember mentioning this in an early episode of this podcast where Undertaker, when things don't go as planned, he doesn't falter. I remember this was, I mean, this is probably one of our episodes from early on. He was very young in business, but he didn't, he doesn't show, he doesn't sell the fact that stuff's not going right. So he just kind of picks it up. I mean, he literally picks the lighter up at this point though, and it's kind of weird to reveal that. Oh, I'm having have a lighter in my hand, like kind of giving the gimmick away. But he's standing there trying to trying well, to light try, the flash paper. Mankind tries again too. Like yeah, they take her stalls. They try to yeah. do the spot again. Mankind just cannot get it to light. Uh, yeah. So he tries it a couple times before Undertaker. Just yeah. takes over, but you're right. None of the, all three guys stay in character the whole time. Yeah. They don't start cussing. They don't start screaming no. or uh, trying to just give up. They're, like, they, they've got. They're trying to make this storyline. Yeah. They have to do this. Yeah, to get spot. the storyline to continue, <laughs> yeah. and they keep their composure. Yeah, they, that's the word I was looking for. Composure. They, Taker never loses composure here. Yeah, he like punches mankind in the face and probably just tells him like, "Give me the lighter." So he picks the lighter up. He's trying to light it. You know, he he finally gets it to light, and he just he's standing right, right in front of Paul Bear, and he just kind of lights it and throws it in his face very quickly. It's a very quick thing, and uh, definitely not as dramatic as you can you know they wanted to be. And oh yeah, again the camera angle is probably not correct because again Kevin Dunn's like, what the heck do I do now? <laughs> Backstage like, I'm just gonna keep the wide shot and everything because you don't know what to do. But anyway, the crowd gets, doesn't react like, like right. They, they, it's just. <clears throat> been like three minutes of just confusion out yeah. there the crowd doesn't even react when they see this fireball the announcers like are just very confused they don't know how yeah. to sell this as to what's happening either. you know who else doesn't know how to sell this paul bear <laughs> as as much as we just put him over for selling earlier uh with the whole undertaker handing the title and gonna get back together with him when he gets burnt here in the face he rolls out of the ring covers his face with his jacket 
and just stands there. That's it. I mean, he yeah. doesn't like we. It's a, it's a sharp con, sharp contrast from what Undertaker did his sell job. You know, a couple weeks earlier when he's rolling around, you can tell he's in pain. He's fighting the referees because he can't see. Paul Bear simply puts his jacket over his face. Mankind rolls out and they just kind of walk to the back. It's very and I don't know if he got lost in the confusion of it all and didn't, or if he just you know I don't know what happened. He's not with us still to ask him that question but uh i bet he was just it, screaming obscenities into his jacket <laughs> <laughs> yeah could have been screaming some sid gds or whatever <laughs> so yeah but uh it didn't go as planned um and everybody gives wcw crap for halloween havoc 98 with the uh, ultimate warrior and hulk hogan this is not pretty bad. As bad but this is pretty bad it's pretty bad <laughs> yeah it's pretty bad um and i it's probably why wwf doesn't really do these types of angles anymore right. you know it, it does look cool when you do it well sure. and the first one the one on raw uh, it oh, looked yeah. awesome and that's why they were gonna try to keep doing it here but it just did not work mankind couldn't get to light undertaker couldn't get it to light for a long time and he's just standing over him with a piece of paper and a lighter yeah. just like <laughs> yeah. trying to do it and eventually it goes off and yeah the announcers don't really know how to sell it. It ends with a dud. Uh, it should be this huge, big angle to keep this storyline going. And unfortunately, it just falls apart right here. And I, and I guess it's a good thing it didn't end up closing the show uh, that was my, in, yeah. in hindsight. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the uh, we do see at the, in the middle of the main event, I don't know if you kept watching, but they do they show a clip in the middle of the main event of Paul Bear being taken out in an ambulance, and he's screaming, as he's being rolled into the ambulance and this man and jerry lawler both use the term hospital they say oh. paul bear is being taken to the burn unit at and they name the specific hospital but they do not oh, wow. say medical facility which apparently the rumor is that's what Vincent Mann prefers to call nowadays hospitals. Yeah. Nowadays, he won't let him say hospital on TV. Yeah. <laughs> but in 1997, he said it multiple times that Paul Bear was taken to to such and such hospital. So well, that'll be interesting, interesting for us to pay attention to as we continue this uh, trip down Undertaker's career. Once once the word hospital disappears from the WWF vernacular and right. becomes medical facility. So yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, I would say I think both of us would say recommend the match to watch it. It's not a technical masterpiece, but good spots. Um, the after you just turn it off when the match goes off because this this is an abomination afterward. This does not go as planned, but uh, yeah, still a pretty good match. You get it furthers the angle. Um, but uh, what I wanted to say earlier was sometimes, and this is not not be true, but sometimes I feel like a guy wins a title at WrestleMania. His next feud is, I don't know, sometimes I feel like it's a little lackluster. Or his first defense is a little lackluster. Like, didn't, was it, when Steve Austin won, didn't he drop, didn't he feud with Kane, like, the next well, month? Well, he feuded with Dude Love. With Dude Love. Yeah. Month, which was and, weird. Yeah, and then he went on to, like, Kane, I think. And then, like, when Daniel Bryan won a few years ago, his next feud was Kane. Sorry to bring up Kane so much, but uh, I just feel like I don't know. Sometimes I feel like and like Undertaker. You thought he again. Luckily, they had this backstory with mankind there, but I feel like it was just kind of like crap. Who can we pencil in? And again, it may have all just been in shambles because of Sid's issues and and Shawn Michaels was he or was he not come back? I don't know. We don't know what the plan was, but I don't know. It just seems kind of haphazardly quickly thrown together. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, I guess the idea. I think because uh, I was thinking the same thing. I wanted to have sort of the same conversation. I think the idea is to 
try to give this guy a big win. Uh, you sure. want the you want the champion to come off strong, and so it, it's sort of revisiting an old opponent right here, yeah. a classic opponent like Daniel Bryan and Kane. You know they had had sure. history in the past, so they rolled that back out. And in your head, you're thinking, "Wow, that's kind of a lame." first opponent for this champion and unfortunately for daniel bryan it was his only opponent that he got to face as champion in that first run but i guess the idea is you undertaker is going to have a much longer run he's going to be champion for the next five months throughout all the summer so you want to establish him and like you said he gets a clean win here you're not uh you're not using up a heel that you really want to build up to a big match for undertaker gets to have a clean win over somebody and somebody you know he can have a great match with, uh, and he does. He has a, has a solid match with him. So oh, I yeah, think that's sure. the idea here. Uh, in, in our heads as fans, sometimes we think, oh, that's kind of boring. That's kind of lame. We've seen it before. But they, I, I, w- I give them credit in thinking they have a, a deeper purpose behind oh, doing perfect. a match like that. That's a perfect That helps me figure out, like, it makes sense. Because it's either usually like a rematch from WrestleMania, or it's – I just feel like it's usually like a – let's just – Let's just let him kind of settle, and then we'll build him up toward as we get toward SummerSlam, you know, which is the next big show. So, but nowadays, again, this is back in the earlier days of In Your House, so I guess they didn't really feature those main main attractions. They were building towards SummerSlam, you know. Right. Um, you know, In Your Houses were just kind of like glorified house shows at this point. So, um, and this mat, this pay per view is a two match show as well. Yeah. <laughs> this match, the main event, and everything else is a turd. Garbage. <laughs> Rockabilly versus Jesse James. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Shoo. Well, just like that first episode of Raw that we covered, we are running overboard on time right now. So we appreciate you listening here on this episode of Talking Taker. Uh, As always, we value your feedback. So you can hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, at Talking Taker, uh, all the various podcasting platforms, whether whatever you're listening on, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, YouTube, all those good places. Uh, we'd love uh, comments, ratings, feedback, anything like that that you can offer would mean a lot to us. And yeah, we appreciate you listening this week. Next week, we're going to cover another in under- your house, another in your house pay per view, <clears throat> a cold day in hell as Undertaker yeah. takes on Stone Cold Steve Austin in a pretty cool match. <clears throat> yeah, and this will be we've covered their matches on Raw I think three times. Yes, yeah, their first pay per view outing and really cool. And again. Second uh, pay-per-view in a row that he gets his own theme, uh, Undertaker. So that's yep. kind of neat. So, yeah, and again, I failed to mention earlier, this this pay-per-view takes place in Rochester, New York. So if you were there in Rochester, whatever this arena was called, I don't know. House, <laughs> no idea. House show RS, whatever. I don't know where, <laughs> what this arena is. I apologize for those of you in Rochester. If you were there, please let us know. We've had one man take us up on that. Uh, we don't care. One man, one woman. It doesn't matter. Take us up on this offer. To let us know if you were there, what you thought of this horrible flash paper incident. And other than that, ladies and gentlemen, take her easy.